Oftentimes we have the idea that the Protestant Reformation of the 16th and 17th centuries was kind of a reshuffling of doctrines and church traditions and all the stuff of religion. You know, that, uh, that people just went from one religious tradition to another religious tradition, one set of doctrines to another set of doctrines, and it's all just kind of uh, new, fresh, different religion. Uh, you know, like one catechism over here and another catechism over there, and it just is a change of human ways of worshiping God different traditions. But uh, in my study of revivals, uh, I discovered that there's a lot more going on here than just variations of religious tradition. Um, actually, what is really happening here is that Jesus himself is coming into the picture of the church to rescue the church from a twisted, false way of going through life, which I call power and might Christianity. It's, it's the whole idea that the church just needs to trust uh, political power, wealth, you know, what we call worldly power uh, to advance the kingdom of God. And um, that goes directly against uh, what Jesus said when he stood before Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. Yes, it is in this world, but it is not of this world. And that goes back to Zechariah 4, 6, where the prophet says, not by power, nor by might, but by my spirit. So it's the but by my spirit part that those uh, Scottish reformers we're discovering. Uh, so it's a, it's a whole different lifestyle based on Jesus appearing and downloading the Holy Spirit in a fresh new way in Scotland so that they're learning how to operate in the power of the Spirit. And the, the basic difference between these two lifestyles is surrender. One group is gaining more and more control and learning how to operate in worldly power and wealth. A new group, a new generation is now being challenged by Jesus himself to operate in the way that he designed at the beginning, which is by my spirit. And so it isn't just a matter of doctrines and catechisms and traditions, Presbyterians now instead of Catholics. Do you see it's deeper than that? It goes to the core of how Christians live and how you uh, operate in ministry if you are a kingdom citizen. So he's the king and we are not. And that begins with a surrender of our lives. All right, so the reason why I'm focusing today on prophecy is it sort of demonstrates if you've got prophecy, that isn't just a catechism 
point. That isn't just a religious thing. It's an it's it's evidence that what they had going on there was the Holy Spirit coming in and operating the gifts of the Spirit in the lives of the leaders of the Kirk of Scotland. And every generation for 150 years had that, uh, beginning with George Wishart and moving right on through into the end of the, of the reign of the Stuart Kings where the the got the 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 prophetic gift was really flowering and I show all this in my book so if you're in doubt just get my book and read the first 10 or 11 chapters so let me give you an example of how the gift of prophecy was in operation and flowering in the leadership of the church the Kirk of Scotland um, in 15, uh, this is, I'm just going to read this from my, my manuscript. In 1572, at the end of his life, John Knox received word of a terrible event in French history, the St. Bartholomew's Day Massacre. Charles IX, King of France, instigated the savage murder of Huguenots, followers of John Calvin in France. Thousands of Protestants were hunted down and murdered in cold blood. Aged matrons, little children, pregnant women, church leaders, all alike butchered by hired cutthroats, breaking into homes, dragging people into the street, executing them on the spot. This plague of violence started in Paris, then spread to other communities through France. When word of this reached John Knox, he grieved the death of devout Christian leaders he had known personally during his years on the continent. Mounting the pulpit the following Sunday, he spoke a word of prophecy, spoke it from the pulpit, and then wrote it out and sent it to the King of France by the French ambassador, Le Croc. If the king did not repent, Knox said, he would die an early death without posterity. Of course, the king of France and his ambassador took offense. They were not used to spiritual leaders operating in the gift of prophecy. When Charles failed to heed the warning, tragedy struck the king. Within two years, Charles was dead at age 24 of tuberculosis, leaving no heir to the throne. You have stories like that all through the Kirk of Scotland in those centuries. The, 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 the beginning of the Protestant Reformation in Scotland, which was actually a series of revival tides. Jesus coming to Scotland, finding that there were people there who were willing to try the by my spirit way. And because he found people who were willing to surrender and go along with this new way, he was able to do something in Scotland to show what he could do to transform a nation. And each of those revival tides became more broad and more deep so that the whole nation of Scotland was pretty soon 
making covenant with Jesus in a way that had not ever been seen before. And it was a result of revival tides in which the leaders of the Kirk of Scotland were surrendering their lives to Jesus, listening to him, discovering that he had messages for them. And let me give you just one more example, and this is from Samuel Rutherford, who was a teacher. He started out as a pastor in Kirkcudbright in the south of Scotland, um, I believe it's on the Firth of Solway, and then he was so respected. And by the way, there was a revival in his church during his time there. And then he became a respected teacher of the Reformation at St. Andrews. And this is what Samuel Rutherford wrote. He said, There is a revelation of some particular men who have foretold things to come even since the ceasing of the canon of the word, as John Huss, Hus, John Hus, Wycliffe, Luther, all have foretold things to come, and in our nation of Scotland, Mr. George Wishart foretold that Cardinal Beaton should not come out alive at the gates of the castle of St. Andrews, but that he should die a shameful death, and he was hanged over the window that he did not, he did look out at. And when he saw the man of God burnt, Mr. Mr. Knox then prophesied about the hanging of the Lord of Grange. Mr. John Davidson uttered prophecies known to many of the kingdom. Diverse, holy, and martyred preachers in England have done the like. So to these guys, prophecy was very real. And it was God speaking his heart and his perspective to his people who had surrendered their lives to him. And here's what I'm saying, that there was a pattern of revival tides that was allowed to emerge because Jesus found faithful, surrendered hearts. And that pattern became transformational in Scotland, and then it crossed the ocean and became the pattern that we would see in America.